Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends. Thanks for coming back again to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda. And this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about time blindness. Before we get into it, I do want to just add something in for my regular listeners. I have decided that something I'm going to do for myself through this podcast is give myself a break about every 10 episodes or so. So I'm going to try to be putting out this podcast every Friday, as I have been, but like I said, at about that 9 to 10 mark, I will be taking a week or two off just so that I can regroup and not have that extra work to put on myself each week. I love being able to provide this as a free resource to make help accessible to the ADHD community. There are unfortunately a lot of underrepresented people in the ADHD community, like people of color, people in the LGBTQ community, and I want to be able to provide this accessible resource for folks who don't have the same privilege that some of us may have been lucky enough to have. I do have interviews starting to get lined up for people from all different experiences uh, with ADHD. So I'm looking forward to that being a regular fixture of this podcast, that ability to share outside perspectives beyond my own perspective. But today we are talking about time blindness, so let's get to it before too much time passes. So the first thing we need to cover is what is time blindness? Because ADHDers struggle with our executive functions, we struggle with planning and organizing our use of time and our perception of that time. We tend to be very nonlinear thinkers, which means that we're not living in the A, B, and C of linear moments. We're living in the past, future, and present all at once. And that nonlinear concept can translate to how we perceive time. Also, for many of us, our concept of time is influenced by our emotions and the activities that we're doing. Many ADHDers will sit there and an activity that we love that takes five minutes, we'll think it only went by in the blink of an eye. But an activity that we hate that takes five minutes may feel like it just took a half hour. Come on. And that's because we lack that true perception of the five minutes. This is also why many ADHDers will be like, yeah, 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 I'll be there in five minutes while they're working on their hyperfixation and in that hyperfocus mode. And then an hour has passed and they still haven't gotten up to leave the thing and do the other thing that you were asking them to do. They did not do that with any intent of harm. I can almost guarantee it. They just didn't have that concept of how much time had already passed. And it's not as simple as just looking at our watch. However, as we begin to build those executive functions and use neuroplasticity to help us rewire that piece of our brain, we can start to have a different perception of time. Not to toot my own horn, but something I'm starting to get very good at is actually identifying how long five minutes is. But the seven-year-old in our household, uh, yeah, no, she couldn't tell you that. It's funny because uh, something that she does is asks all the time, oh, what time is it? 
And my partner and I both know that us telling her what time it is really doesn't matter because she doesn't have a concept of time just like us. But there are ways to build in that concept of time. It's interesting because I was just talking about how ADHDers are nonlinear thinkers. We're not thinking of the I do this, then I do this, then I do that linear pattern. However, Dr. Russell Barkley will say that ADHDers live in the now and we're motivated by decisions for now, which is part of why we can get so distractible because we're not necessarily thinking about that future tense. But in a way, this is incredibly nonlinear too, because you are not thinking about, I'm going to do this now and then this thing next. You're just hopping from moment to moment. And hopping from moment to moment, if you're really putting yourself in that mode and thinking and reflecting of what that's like, often those little hops are influenced by past and present moments. So what do I mean by this? Well, let's say you've decided to clean up your living room. And while you're wandering around trying to figure out where to start, you notice a piece of paper on the floor. And that piece of paper is an invitation to an event that's taking place in your town. And hey, oh my goodness, that starts at two o'clock. So you look at your watch and by golly, it's two. So you walk out the front door and you go down the street and you go and enjoy the event. And while you're at the event, you run into a friend who decides to tell you that, hey, why don't we go down the street and check out that local winery? So you drive with the friend to the next thing in the now. But why were you at the event in the first place? Well, that friend who was at the event brought you the piece of paper. So that was the past influencing the now. And why do you go to that winery? Because your mom had told you that, hey, they have this really great Cabernet and you wanted to try it. Again, a nonlinear moment influencing our present. And all of these hops between past, present, and future Our brain is very fulfilled and stimulated by these things. So it absolutely makes sense that an ADHD brain functions in this way, that we're going from basically stimulation to stimulation based on past ideas of other stimulation. And my goodness, can this become an overwhelming experience? I bet many of you wish that you could just pick up this one thing and put it in the garbage and then go pick up the next thing. Instead of seeing that piece of paper and then being driven to go and do that thing instead. I know I've certainly felt that way. So this is one of those areas where managing distractions can be a benefit to managing our time blindness. Giving us less to hop non-linearly between gives us the opportunity to actually see how long the singular task takes. And actually seeing how long a thing takes is an awesome skill to learn. But you're not going to learn this counting to 60 over and over in your head to get through how many minutes it is. Let a stopwatch do that for you. I made a game to help my clients work through how to manage their time. And the paper copy of this is actually a free resource available on my website in the shop. So here's how the game works. You start with a task, and then you take a guess at how long you think that task takes you to do. Something that seems to be a real struggle in the ADHD community is showering. This self-care task can feel really overstimulating for people who have sensory issues with showering and water, but also it can be kind of boring, so understimulating at the same time. 
And when we're adding in these additional discomforts, let's say, that can also have an impact on the emotions and then emotions then have that impact on our time, especially because emotional regulation is one of our executive functions. So isn't that interesting how time blindness and emotions would overlap because they're in the executive functioning part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex that's a little wonky for us. So back to the game. So you've decided on the task, showering. Next, what you're going to do is take a guess at how long that task takes you to do. Because of the discomfort you have associated with the task, maybe your brain decides that "Eh, it's a 40-minute task. Next, you're going to challenge yourself. You're going to pull out an actual stopwatch if you have it or if you can get your hands on one. But if not, most phones nowadays have a stopwatch feature in the alarm section. So you're going to pull out the stopwatch and you are going to time yourself doing the task from start to finish and seeing visually how much time has actually passed. I've had many clients do this and many of them, especially on those tasks that are just uh, usually find that the time is well beyond what it actually took them to do. Their guess, I should say, is well beyond what the actual time of the task was. But don't get me wrong, there are plenty of things that we can underestimate on as well. Then if you really want to challenge yourself, do the task another time and time it out, but with you under pressure, or at least the idea of how it would be if you were rushing through it. Remembering to set a stopwatch when you're actually trying to rush out the door is pretty unlikely. So this part might be more of a simulation. And that's fine. But be truthful if you're simulating it. Because a lot of the time, we may think that, oh, we're going to shave so much time off by rushing. But at the end of the day, we don't typically shave that much time off because we're making mistakes because of that rushing. So you may think that you're getting yourself out the door that five minutes quicker to make up for the, the time that you miscalculated on. But you had to run back inside because you forgot your phone. And then you had to run back inside again because you left your lunch on the counter. And then you realize, oh, crap, my coffee's inside, too. Got to go back and get that. And then you spill the coffee on yourself as you're walking out the door. That's never happened to me. (laughs) No, it totally has. And I'm sure it's happened to several of you as well. Not to call you out too hard on this Friday. (laughs) But anyway, having that rushing time really does help you to visually see, does the rushing actually help me get out the door faster or does it not? There are some scenarios where we can adapt the routine that we're working through and, you know, maybe actually legitimately shave some time off. So an example of this would look like my makeup routine. Um, I have a routine that I do when I know I have like 15, 20 minutes to play around and experiment with different colors and have some fun. But I also have a level of makeup that I might put on when I only have 10 minutes. You know, just keep it more natural and simple. And that's still fun for me because that's why I put on makeup and get dressed up because I like playing dress up. I enjoy that stuff. That part is not coming from, you know, a need to look or be a certain way. It's honestly all for me. But that's all stuff that takes time, and that's something I have to keep in mind as well. 
All right, so we've started timing out these tasks. The ones that I would really focus on first are the ones that you're going to use to get yourself out the door in the morning or, you know, timing out the things that are most strenuous for your workload. Because these are usually the things that we really need to pay closer attention to to have better time management for. So doing this exercise and playing the game for your morning routine might look like, okay, my first task in the morning is making breakfast. That takes me five minutes. Oh, my guess was that it took me 10. That's an overestimate. Great. It took me less time. Uh, Then eating breakfast. Oh, I think that only takes five minutes. Then when you actually time it out, you might see that, no, it really takes 10 to 15 because you like to sit there and enjoy your food. And that doesn't necessarily have to change. So we go with the 15 and that puts us at 20 minutes so far for the morning routine. Then we hop in the shower and, you know, guess might have been 30 minutes. Ooh, it takes us 20. Great. We actually shaved 10 minutes off there. Then getting dressed for the day. Mm, I think that's only going to take two minutes. Well, it actually takes five because we like to sit on the bed for a minute or two before we actually get dressed. So right now our morning routine is up to 45 minutes if my math and working memory are accurate. (laughs) All right, we're showered, dressed, and fed. Last thing we need to do is get our coffee finished being made and put the dog in her crate area. Finishing up the coffee, uh, I think that's only going to take a minute. It actually takes three because it takes me a few minutes to really stir all that together and find the lid for the coffee cup. And getting the dog in the crate, I was accurate on that. I only thought it took a minute and that was it. She's a good girl. I gave her her treat. Awesome. So this morning routine puts us at just under 50 minutes. We now have a visual on paper of how long the different tasks in our morning routine are going to be how long it might look if we did the whole thing rushing, and can now use this information for ourselves to plan when we need to wake up in the morning to get out the door on time. But because time blindness does tend to be an issue if we go and pick up our phone, we can easily lose ourselves on TikTok for 20 minutes in the blink of an eye. It is very important that with managing our time, we are giving ourselves buffer periods. A 10 to 15 minute buffer period at the end of our morning routine can help us when those other things inevitably come into play. But this is something that we want to be really mindful of, are those time suckers. Sitting down and watching TV while we eat breakfast is going to change the amount of time that we spend eating breakfast. And if you know this is something you like to do when you're eating, you need to make sure that you are timing it out with the type of TV show that you're going to be watching each morning. You know, maybe you have to just watch an episode of The Office instead of an episode of Criminal Minds because you know otherwise you will get too sucked in. Another important piece to keep in mind when you're going through this morning routine, there are several tasks that we identify as a singular task that are not just one thing. So, Getting ready for the morning is not just one thing. You need to break it down into those smaller bits like we just did, you know, into the making breakfast, eating breakfast, taking a shower, you know, getting dressed and then getting our coffee, putting the dog away. It's very important to be mindful of all of the mini steps. And there are a lot of tasks like this 
a neurotypical person can put just clean the kitchen on their list and they can, you know, think through it linearly that I need to start at this step and then I need to go to this step and then this step and this step and there we go, I've cleaned the kitchen. An ADHD or cleaning the kitchen will see clean the kitchen on the list and then clean the kitchen becomes a very overwhelming thought because, well, to clean the kitchen, I have to I have to do the dishes and I have to wipe down the counters and then I have to put the dishes away and I have to run the dishwasher and then I have to sweep the floors and I've got to clean the stove and then I've got to clean out the fridge and so on and so forth. So being cognizant of all of the moving parts of a task and breaking it down is another thing that's necessary for helping us visualize how long a thing takes because our time blindness is not going to be on our side here, friends. I'm so sorry to say. And another necessary piece of this that our brains aren't always on board with is actually setting time aside to plan out our week or our day. Now, how I plan my day might look different from how you plan your day, and there is nothing wrong with that. And I'll be honest, I have a great daily planner that I like to use. I put it in a dry erase uh, sheet so that I can use wet erase markers or permanent markers on it and then fill it in and that's it. You can also laminate it. I actually have that on my website too under the shop. But this is not a sheet that I use every single day anymore. In the beginning when I was trying to figure out, you know, where to put certain things that I needed to, I definitely needed this sheet to help me visualize all of the tasks that I had planned for the day and where I could fit in some of the other moving parts. Now, because I've worked so hard on, you know, battling this time blindness issue, I don't need that every single day. I still mentally plan out my days and I take that time in the morning. Usually it's on the phone with my partner saying, okay, so I have this appointment at this time and I have this appointment at this time and then I need to work on my podcast in between and then I have this appointment and then I have my lunch break and so on and so forth. The act of saying it out loud is really helpful, not just for the planning and organizing portion of it, but also for me to remember what I want to do with my day. And I've found a really good weekly planner for myself too that really helps me to continue to visualize these different things that need to be accomplished. And on those days where there's just so much to do, I pull that daily planner sheet out and I really chunk out my time and see, all right, I'm going to need at least a solid hour to get this chore done. I need it. I know that it's, it's definitely going to take me this long because I timed it out before. And when in doubt, overestimate. Because if we have leftover time, we can at least put that towards something else. When we underestimate and don't have a buffer, then we have to take that time from another thing. And if you're in full panic mode, you're not going to want to take that time from any of the other things that you're running around panicking about. So overestimating is actually a way we can take care of our future selves. And the last tip I want to give for managing time blindness is also to trick our brains. If you know that focusing on a singular time really puts you to the last minute for getting out the door, then make that time 15 minutes before it actually is. Like those doctor's appointments where they tell us, all right, so your appointment is at 10 a.m., but I'm going to need you to show up 15 minutes early for paperwork. Why do these doctor's offices not just say, hey, 
we need you there at 9.45, not 10 a.m. Probably because of the neurotypicals. But when you go to copy that time either into, you know, your Google Calendar on your phone or let's say you're old school like me and have the paper planner that you bring with you everywhere, or maybe you text appointment times to a particular friend or your spouse or whatever, when you're writing that time down, write down the 15 minutes earlier. Write it down as if the appointment is 9.45 and not 10. You will thank me later. I actually just did this this week for my own self with an appointment I had with orthopedics. And they had told me that the appointment time was 9.15. But I wrote it down in my planner as 9 o'clock. And because I wrote it down as 9 o'clock, I showed up on time because I have gotten to that point where I really am not late often or at all anymore, which I'm very proud of myself for. But the last time I was on this hospital campus for orthopedics, the office was actually in a different building than it's in now. So instinctively, I went to that building and quickly realized that I was in the wrong place. So I had to go ask the lady at the information desk. And then she told me, oh, they actually moved to this pavilion, which, of course, was across the street. So I had to get to my car and then go find another parking spot again. And now we're at 9.10. I walk into the office and I say, I'm so sorry for being late. I was here on time. I was just at your old location. And the lady goes, oh, no worries. You still have five minutes until your appointment. I had gotten so hung up on all of the technicalities that were against me that I forgot that I tripped. That I wrote it in my planner as that. 15 minutes earlier than I actually needed to be there. And I was so grateful that I did because if I had just shown up on time, like the original way was working out, uh, I would not have had that room to, you know, wiggle around and have that buffer time that I wasn't actually late then. And they told me to show up 15 minutes early and I literally had a two-minute check-in and then sat there on TikTok on my phone waiting for someone to bring me back. But that's fine. Anyway, moral of the story is you can trick your toddler brain. Because let's face it, an ADHD brain really is a toddler brain when you think about it. Yep, I've got a toddler in my head. <laughs> now, without looking, how much time do you think has passed for this podcast episode so far? If you said around 20 minutes, great job. You're building your concept of time, and that's a really hard skill. So good work. We're actually at 22 minutes and 39 seconds, and I'm about ready to say my goodbyes and let you guys go and have an awesome day. I want to thank you guys again so much for joining me today on Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Again, I'm your host, Amanda. And if you guys have any questions and want to learn more about ADHD coaching, check out the ADHDlady.org. On the website, you can also find that free resource that I talked about earlier. And I do have a sellable copy of that daily planner. Thanks again for joining me today, guys. This is Amanda signing off.